Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. So I want to know if you got our first Care Tips email last week. Care Tips are short monthly ideas we're going to be sending out on how to connect with people in everyday ways. Our first one was based on research that most of our interactions with people last, guess how long? Eight seconds or less. But what if we want to take an interaction with a family member, a friend, or say even a stranger to last a little longer? You can read our care tips in about two minutes. And if you like this podcast, I I think you'll enjoy them. If you're not on our mailing list, and meaning you didn't get it last week, just contact us on Facebook at Redeemer Counseling Group or email me, Cherie at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com. That's Cherie, S-H-E-R-E-E, at Redeemer Counseling Group. and we'd love to get them to you. Well, on Saturday, I had my annual Grandma's Valentine's party for my grandchildren. Started this maybe about 13 or 14 years ago and did them every year until COVID. So it was wonderful to have most of our 18 grandchildren here for lunch and backyard games And I loved, this year was really special, I loved watching the teens interacting with the younger ones as they played dodgeball and musical chairs and just enjoyed one another. But time didn't allow for my very favorite Valentine's Day tradition, something our grandchildren call the encouragement circle. This is when the kids get to share something they appreciate or love about a sibling or a cousin. And this time always brings tears to my eyes when I listen to them expressing their hearts for one another. And I'm really going to make sure we make time for it next year. As I was reflecting on missing that time with them this year, my thoughts turned to one of the most powerful gifts we can give to the people in our lives. And that is speaking words of grace and encouragement to them. And if you're like me, I think of doing this when someone does a good job at something or when I've seen them work really hard or accomplish something and there's just lots of encouragement and gratitude and wanting them to know that, you know, I saw what they accomplished and I want to encourage them. But I don't always think of encouragement as being something important when they struggle or they fail or they sin or when 
my relationship with them gets hard and I'm tempted to focus on their faults or their flaws. I was thinking of the third chapter of Hebrews and this is a section of scripture where the author of Hebrews is warning against developing a hard and unbelieving heart. And he says in verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Maybe about 30 years ago, I heard a sermon on Barnabas, and that's a name that's probably familiar to you. He was the Apostle Paul's companion, whose name means son of encouragement. To Barnabas, the proverbial glass was always half full. He was the one responsible for introducing a man who had allegedly become a follower of Christ after overseeing a bunch of murders of Christians. And Barnabas introduces this guy to the early apostles. Now, they were understandably skeptical and fearful of meeting Saul, but in Acts 11, we learn that because of Barnabas, Saul stayed in Jerusalem with the others and began sharing his faith boldly. Rather than focusing on his dark and sordid past, Barnabas saw God's work in Saul's life and was used powerfully by the Lord to convince others to give him a chance. Think about how incredible it would have been to Barnabas to know how God used him to extend mercy to the man who would someday pen nearly a half of the books in the New Testament. It's incredible. When people hurt us, our relationships get tough, or they do wrong or sinful things, sometimes we assume the best way to respond is to speak our mind and let the person know things are not okay. Yet, Scripture provides us a whole chest of tools to use when things get hard between us or somebody does something wrong. And one of them is to do what may seem unnatural or even not appropriate. Be a Barnabas to them. I saw an example of this last week. This is a great story. Benny and I were out for a Valentine's dinner at one of our favorite special occasion restaurants. It's known to be a little on the classy side. The servers are all pretty polished and honestly, a little stiff. But the food is good, the atmosphere is great, and our family enjoys doing a special birthday or a night out there. When we sat down, our server approached us with this big smile and a really perky attitude that and an accent we couldn't distinguish at first and a sleeve of tats on his right arm honestly he was a different kind of server than we were used to at this particular restaurant I love asking people about their tattoos and I've heard some really great stories but before I did that, I just wanted to ask some basic questions about how long he had been working there, did he like it, those kinds of things. And within minutes, this young man was telling us the story of his baby daughter being stillborn seven years ago and how that sent him into a downward spiral 
of drug addiction and homelessness. And on the first year anniversary of his daughter's death, a nephew was born. And neither parent wanted to take responsibility for this little boy, so our server took him in as his son. And throughout our meal, we continued to get details about his story, including how God had provided this job, a place to live just across the street, a car, and the opportunity to be a dad to his nephew. Of course, we eventually heard about his tats, and one of them was a tribute to his daughter and his nephew. And he attributed all of this joy and hope for the future to the hiring manager at the restaurant who gave him a chance. So we couldn't resist. We asked him if we could speak to the hiring manager, and we had a delightful interaction telling him what a great job our server had done and thanking him for giving this guy a chance and the cascade of wonderful things that had happened in his life since he hired him. This manager was a Barnabas to a homeless and hopeless young man who just needed someone to see beyond his story to do what I talked about in the podcast last week, to look for the story behind the story. Encouragement is a powerful tool God uses in some surprising ways, especially when we least expect it. So what are some of the ways we can use the tool of encouragement to care for others when things tell us maybe not to encourage them? Here's a few suggestions from some interactions I've had with some Barnabases I know. When Grace found porn on her husband's computer and needed to talk to him about it, she waited to share how frustrated and hurt she was. And she began the conversation with Jim. I want you to know you're a godly man that I respect in many ways but something has come up and we need to talk. After Jeannie had an angry, embarrassing outburst at Angie, her coworker, in front of their boss, Angie texted her to say she was thinking of her and wanted her to know that the promotion that she recently received was in no small way due to how Jeannie had mentored her over the past three years. And when Sarah found out her son Dawson had failed an important Spanish exam because he'd been slacking off in class all semester and hiding it from his mom, she sat down and said, son, I know we need to talk about this, but listen, I really appreciate how hard you've been working on keeping your other grades up and whatever consequences have to come aren't because I'm mad at you. One of my favorite Tim Keller quotes is this, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or less than myself. It's just thinking of myself less. Let me read that again. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or less of myself. 
It's just thinking of myself less. When things get hard or messy in relationships, our natural tendency is to think of how hurt or betrayed or frustrated we are, right? Grace was heartbroken at finding the porn on Jim's computer, and few would have blamed her for starting the conversation with how hurt she was. Angie could certainly have taken the opportunity to remind Jeannie that her snarky attitudes toward her were becoming more frequent and she was embarrassed at this outburst in front of their boss. And Sarah's disappointment over Dawson hiding his lazy decline in Spanish class after her repeated questions about how things were going would have been the way many moms would have started a conversation like that. But these women got something many of us don't. They get it. People expect to be confronted or lectured when wrong things happen. What they don't expect is mercy in the form of encouragement. Leading an interaction with how we've been impacted by their failure or sin or bad habit is what comes naturally, but it's not the gospel. In Matthew 26, we read the agonizing account of Jesus going to Gethsemane with Peter, James, and John. And this very long night started with Jesus leaving them to go pray alone and then coming back to share with them how utterly sorrowful and troubled he was. He goes back and forth a few times, asking them to pray as he pleads with God to take the cup from him. Now, Jesus knew from the Old Testament that, this, that there was a cup And he called it, take this cup from me. The cup referred to the wrath of God for sin. And in Psalm 75, 8, we read these horrific words. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord and the wine foams. It is well mixed and he pours out of this. Surely all of the wicked of the earth must drain and drink down to its dregs. Jesus knew what was coming. The only sinless man who ever lived or would ever live was going to become sin for us. To be named among the wicked who must drink this cup, every single drop of it, And he just needed his friends to pray for him. And when he came back, the next time, he finds them sleeping. And I can only imagine what I would have said to these friends if I had, I just admitted how sad and troubled I was and and just honestly asked them to please pray for me. I can promise that I would not have said what Jesus said. Guys, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In some of his weakest and most desperate moments when he needed them most, Jesus doesn't confront his friends who are sleeping rather than praying for the man 
who had invested three years of his life into them. No, he affirms them. He says something like, I know your heart is for me and that you wish you hadn't fallen asleep on me, but you're tired of me. The next time he comes back and finds them asleep, he doesn't even wake them. He goes to pray and plead with God again alone and only wakes them up when it's time to meet Judas and be turned over to the authorities. Jesus provides for us an example of how to treat those who let us down. And it's hard. It's really hard. Gospel humility that results in thinking of ourselves less leaves room to think of others more, just like Jesus did. It left room for grace to stop and consider how Jim was going to feel when he learned she had found the pornography. For Angie to consider how Jeannie must be feeling in those moments after she had humiliated herself in front of their boss. And for Sarah to reflect on how hard it would be for Dawson if he felt she didn't understand how hard he had been working on the other classes. The word encouragement simply means to put courage into. When others hurt or sin against me, the last thing on my mind is wondering how they are doing or what they must be feeling. Only the indwelling spirit of Christ himself can help us to think of ourselves less when relationships get hard. And I'm not suggesting that we withhold honest words that communicate the impact of others' actions or attitudes on us. That's important. But in his darkest, hardest hours, Jesus shows us that with God's strength, we can bring courage and love to others when they need it most. <laughs>